0: Good day to you brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Today, today is February 28th, and today we're gonna to be talking about part one in a series on a corrupt discourse. In other words, how we can navigate the dishonorable way we tend to disagree, or how to disagree agreeably in this age of indeed corrupt discourse. Our first scripture will be Ephesians 4, 29, And as usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we'll put those in the comments section. So, with Ephesians 4.29 as our primary backdrop, let's just dig right in. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Uh, So Jim... Uh, we have dis, disreputable discourse.
1: <laughs> we have it and it's, um, we know we have it because it is now available publicly on any social media platform that you wish to engage. And people seem uh, have lost the sense of propriety in language and just want to vent and vent and vent spew venom on any channel that will take it exactly exactly so that verse you just read talks about the problem even in paul's own day and clearly this thing then is uh, relevant uh, then as well as now Uh, don't let the corrupting talk come out of your mouths but do that which is kind of talk that builds up and as fits the occasion to give grace uh, to those who hear Hmm. now the next verse you're going to read is from Ephesians 5 4 and again the very next chapter he comes right back to it so this is
0: clearly important to Paul so Paul goes on to say in the next chapter Ephesians 5 verse 4 let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place but instead let there be Thanksgiving
1: yeah how do I get out of bad habits of being crude or foolish or even filthy language Learn to practice giving thanks. That is the cure. You don't need to see a psychiatrist or go into uh, speech therapy. Just pay attention to what's being said and learn how to give thanksgiving. I myself, not that I'm the greatest example, but I have found out that when you get up in the morning and through the day, into the evening, if you have at least three or four things that you can always thank God for, Mm -hmm. and if you look around, you can find them, you need to be doing that. And so I've been practicing that for years in my life, um, giving thanks to God, and it does help in curbing the tongue.
0: It's kind of like the old song, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. It's hard to be uh, sad when you've enumerated what God has done for you. Correct. That is
1: true. That is true. Now, then, in the next one, which is over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, he tells the Church of Colossae basically the same kind of thing about our discoursing.
0: Colossians 3.8, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth.
1: There you go. Malice, slander, obscene talk. So much of the speech we hear on social media is out of malice, intending to do one thing, hurt and destroy. It's not about constructive speech, or much less seeking the truth. No, it's one-way bashing. One-way bashing. The problem with this, in terms of malice, is a good old German word called schadenfreude. You say, what is schadenfreude? Well, it's taking sadistic uh, pleasure and putting down or seeing another person get destroyed. For example, whether you are a fan of Rush Limbaugh or not, it's irrelevant. He passed away here this past week, and on social media, the people who were not fans of him were just horrible and taking satisfaction in his death. and what they would do to his grave, and other things that are just obscene. Uh, No matter who the person is, whether you're on the right side of the aisle for politics or the left side, that is not to be done, certainly if you consider yourself a Christian. So schadenfreude is one of those things that the Bible also says you don't do this. For example, Randy's going to read this in the short little book of Obadiah. uh, He's going to read chapter 1, verses 11 through 13, Obadiah is addressed to uh, the people of Edom because they took sadistic pleasure. When God judged Israel, oh, they loved it. They exalted. They threw parties, (laughs) and they are taken to task for taking pleasure
0: in the demise of the people of Israel. Obadiah says this, But do not gloat over the day of your brother and the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. So that's pretty straightforward. And yet uh,
1: Schadenfreude is a, uh, a big deal and it, it is always uh, top of the page for those people who scour social media to see who of their enemies has recently fallen into shame or bad luck or even died from some disease. They're on social media and applauding it. Yeah, And this is, this is just uh, horrible, horrible. In the book of Proverbs, verse uh, 17 of chapter 24, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Mm. And that's from the Old Testament book of Proverbs before we even get to the uh, New Testament. So that is not allowed. We must watch ourselves as to our <clears throat> Christian expectations of how we react when someone whom we literally are in great disagreement with meets with bad news. Mm. We should not rejoice over that. In fact, what we should do, according to uh, Jesus, in Luke six twenty-seven to 28, is the following, which Randy will give to
0: us Jesus says in Luke, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you.
1: That's pretty straightforward, that's how it's to be done. Not saying it's easy, <laughs> no, do not misunderstand me. It takes um, sometimes a whole lot of getting with the Lord to overcome our initial biases mm-hmm. and really bad dislikes of certain people but again the times i've managed to be an overcomer in regard of this matter of your enemies i have found that it works
0: yeah uh, and uh, you know you're 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 further along in your maturity curve than than i am spiritually i as I have found that it works as well now I'm like I don't really want to pray about this Lord because I know you're gonna change my heart yeah. towards this guy or gal. yeah yeah <laughs> it does work it does work hopefully we get to where we want to pray for
1: them. <laughs> exactly uh, Lord I don't want to forgive him so
0: yeah yeah
1: so so how do we what is the demeanor in which we've got to address this matter of social discourse and how we're going to talk Let's take a look at a classic passage, and then another one which is corresponding to it from Paul. Classic passage is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17.
0: Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you, for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Yes, the heart
1: of that is, uh, you know, sanctify Christ in your heart, and there will be people, especially it was happening in the uh, first century AD, who will be asking those Christians, why do you do this? Mm. Why do you believe about this criminal who is crucified that he is in fact uh, a god? What is that all about? And Peter says, be ready to respond to that. Be ready because you're going to be asked a question. And you need to know how to respond to that question. And when they give you that question, keep yourself in a gracious mode of speech and that way you'll keep your conscience clear and that kind of behavior then will speak well for you when there are others come and try to slander you that person to whom you answer their question say hold it this guy was really okay yeah
0: Uh, he he didn't come back and chew my head off yeah your your lack of commentary too can lead to condoning what was said Um, the gentleness and respect part is uh, something we definitely don't see on social media true yeah
1: Um, And then Paul's uh, classic passage on this, which is very concise, like a lot of Paul's writing, very concise. But we're going to, Randy's going to read it, then we'll unpack it uh, a word at a time. It's uh, in Colossians 4, uh,
0: chapter uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know... How you ought to answer each person
1: okay this is corresponds fairly close to peter uh, but it also has a few things in that are uh, really good we need to take a look at walk in wisdom meaning as a christian in a culture that has corrupt discourse which clearly first century a.d has because it's being addressed we need to make sure we understand what's the best way to talk, when to talk. This says make the best use of time. And that means depending on the opportunity you're given. Maybe it's a short time. Mm-hmm. Well, in a short time I got, how can I address this? Maybe it'll be a longer time. It depends. So let's take a look at this. Walk in wisdom, so we seek God. There is no kind of what's the word here? workshop you can go to to say <laughs> Uh, we'll take you through this, and when you're done, you'll know exactly how to respond to every person. Wisdom means it's happening ad hoc for the moment, and there's no way you can plan for that. You've just got to make sure you are trusting God for wisdom. James says, if you lack wisdom, call upon Him, call upon God, and He'll give it to you. So, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Now, that's clearly people who are not Christian, but who for some reason have a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Now, it may be just an inquisitiveness. It may be because they are concerned. Uh, and they don't understand something, so they're frustrated. It's another reason why you get to respond in the right way, because they truly are frustrated, things of that sort. So be careful when you're dealing with people who are outside the faith and don't understand it, yet they want to understand something, so they're going to ask you a question. So Paul says, let your speech always be gracious. Again, be generous, be kind. Season with salt. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, we were supposed to be the salt of the earth. That's preservation this kind of salt is seasoning Mm. it makes it tasty it's something that they can eat and swallow it's not the kind of speech you hear these days over uh, social media
0: you know most of the time when i've been asked about why i believe what i believe from an outsider it's never initially uh done what with what i would say gentleness and respect it's normally like hey what is wrong with you yeah why why do you well, that guy deserves to be yelled at, and you didn't yell at him. That guy deserves to be punched in the face, and you, didn't, and you, you acted nice to him. What's, what's wrong with you? Yes, um, there's a proverb
1: which just uh, leapt to my mind that I want to uh, read, and it goes like this. A soft answer turns away wrath, and that is found in Proverbs 15.1. Soft answer turns away wrath. I have found it on occasions to be very helpful. Then Paul says, so you may know how to, how to answer each person. So self-control, something we talked about in a previous podcast, is very important here. You don't want to get angry because then you're not in control and you're not hearing what they're saying so you can answer their question. Mm-hmm. One thing that helps in this when people are, you're dealing with are angry, the soft answer turns away wrath. Another is self-deprecating language. What do I mean by that? In one of his debates with Stephen Douglas, Abraham Lincoln was called uh, a two-faced person, a put-down for sure. When Lincoln turned and the debate came to pass, he said, My opponent has called me two-faced, and I ask you, if I had another face, would I wear this one? <laughs> so, And that kind of self-deprecating humor helps to sort of diffuse sure. this B.B. Be, be, be able to make fun of yourself. One of the things in when I was in ministry, if I could use an illustration that was something from my life, I would use it if it met the criteria that it's going to make me look stupid because it was something stupid I did. It keeps you honest. Hmm. Instead of, you know, puffing yourself up, you know, it keeps you on that line of of uh, gracious talk and people like that.
0: It also brings you in the more humble position. You're not coming as a know-it-all. You're, exactly. you're showing you're coming from a lesser position exactly exactly yeah. well someone's level to ask uh, well all this
1: sounds like mr rogers kind of stuff <laughs> and uh, there may be something to that especially if you're dealing with children he was uh, a smart guy by yeah, the way. he was a smart guy yes and uh, as i recall he was previously a, a minister right yep he was uh, so but i'm sure people are going to ask isn't there a time to be brutally honest and um, i think of the uh, quote by richard j needham he's a canadian humorist and what he said was, in my experience, when people want to be brutally frank, brutally honest, they take far more satisfaction in being brutal than they do in being honest.
0: <laughs> so it's like we, the old scripture preach the truth yeah. in love.
1: Yeah. Preach yeah. the truth yeah. in love. Exactly. <clears throat> so, well, what do we do then with people if we want to be honest? What about those who can't handle the truth? Is there a guideline for when we need to be truly honest, even if the person? listening is not going to accept it so yes there there are times for that we're going to look at some examples so one of those times is when the occasion calls for it when it's clear that you have to be honest here to this person you do it in the best way possible as we've already discussed in the previous scriptures the other time is when you are convinced now you've been brought to a place of understanding that that person is open now to this hmm. and you can finally be honest with him you know Jesus says in the upper room discourse, I have many things to say to you but you can't handle them now
0: right
1: uh, you'll you'll have to be uh, instructed later by the Holy Spirit perhaps you can remember that line from Jack Nicholson in uh, a few good men you can't handle the truth right. <laughs> can okay so, but sometimes it can be both. Now here's an example from one of my experiences in the ministry. We were doing Wednesday night studies and I forget the particular subject at hand, but it got onto the subject of alcohol and liquor and so forth and so on. And we had a fellow there who had been attending church and he tended to be a little outspoken. And he just immediately just raised his hand and said, Oh no, I said, the Bible teaches you don't ever you don't drink. It condemns alcohol, it condemns, you know, liquor all the way through. Well, at that moment, everybody was silent, and I, I had to think real fast, is this the time to address that or not? And I chose to address it because, in my mind, I was thoroughly, as I still am thoroughly convinced, the Bible shows that there are times when it's acceptable yeah. to have drink that has an alcoholic content. I was absolutely convinced of that, and all yeah. translations say that pretty, pretty frankly. Deuteronomy 14, verse 26. Leading up to that verse, the Lord, through Moses, is speaking and says, When the time comes to celebrate one of your holidays that I've given you, and it's too far away to come to the place where I put my name, which would eventually be Jerusalem, you can't carry all your corn and wheat with you, so you can turn it into cash, bring the money with you, and then in verse 26 it says, When you get there, you can use that money to buy whatever you want, including wine and strong drink. Now that word, that's ESV. That word strong drink in the Hebrew comes from the verb to get inebriated. So there's no doubt about the kind of drink it is. And all the ancient rabbinical commentaries, the Jewish people who know this issue very well, said the strong drink would either be made from a wheat, a barley, uh, a honey, or dates. And you can make some really strong liquor out of that. So when he made that objection, I said, well, let, let me, can I read a passage to you from Deuteronomy? So I turned to Deuteronomy 14 and read that passage. And I was waiting and he looked at me and said, you know what? I never heard that before from the Bible. He says, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> now, that's one of the few times, because uh, I was not sure how I was going to respond, but I just knew that was one of those occasions where it had to be addressed so everybody else would understand. The, the Bible is playing on some things. We may not like it. Right. We, we may say, why is that in there? I've done that. But it's there. Let's, yeah. let's at least start with the, the truth. All right. So let's now turn to... Um, jesus and some conversations he has with people concerning being a disciple calling them to follow him and the kind of uh, honest truth he gives and in fact it's so honest and shocking it's it, the first a few times i read these three little exchanges i w- i was really thought man this is how these guys uh, re- i want to know how they responded we don't know but listen to what takes place in luke chapter 9 starting at verse 57
0: Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And those
1: are some amazing responses. And Luke does a triad here. He does one, two, and three. And oddly enough, we were in our small group just a couple of nights ago, and I was pointing out how Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, all the way through Acts, yeah. does things three times mm-hmm. to make a point. So here's a fellow who ordinarily we would encourage as soon as we hear, I want to follow Jesus, we would be in there and saying, okay, yes, you can do that. Here's how it's done and so forth so on. And Jesus just throws cold water over the whole thing. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. I've got nowhere in my head. And Essence saying, have you thought this through? Are you ready to be homeless?
0: Mm.
1: That is an honest response because when you start to follow Jesus, you want to follow all the way. You don't want to start up and quit. Jesus counsels against that you have to count the cost and you have to count the cost Uh, then he calls another person follow me and he says lord let me first go and bury my father now there's a couple of three takes on that but i still think the one that is the right one is where he says i want to go my father is dying he won't he's not long for this world he'll soon pass away let me go and take care of that i'm the i'm the one of the head of the family then i have to deal with that let me take care of family matters and then i'll follow you and she just is just honest, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Uh, everybody's pretty much in agreement, the dead there I mean people who are dead to this way of life, they don't want it. You wanted it, you know. If you want it, and you, you want to follow me, and I'm calling Pursuit. you to follow me, this is what you need to do, you do it now. You cannot have something in your heart that is gonna go on and linger. The time to do it is now, the time to do it is now. Then the third one, of course, Another one says, "I'll follow you, but let me say farewell to those at my home." And Jesus says, "No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God." And uh, I grew up uh, on a farm and did have occasion to plow in a garden with a team of horses. And more than once, I looked back over my shoulder for some reason, and when I turned around, the horses were going in a completely different <laughs> it wasn't direction, a straight
0: line, <laughs> uh, uh, into
1: another crop, and it was it was a mess. But notice again, all these things sound like reasonable requests. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus puts a quietus on all three of them. He said to the fellow who says, I want to go back and, and say goodbye to my parents. Apparently he is having a perception. Yes. And how long will that take? And you know, once you put your hand to the plow, once you put your hand, you say, you're going to follow me. You put your hand there, look straight ahead. You cannot look back. So he found reasons to address these people. Honestly, is this what you want to do, and we don't know how they responded, we don't have the
0: outcome of their uh, their life as to what they did. We have to trust too, Jesus gave the answer that was right for that individual.
1: That's true, Right. exactly, yeah. that's true. Um, and so that brings us then to um, a conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well. And that is found in John chapter four. And this is the conversation where Jesus perceives and we'll talk about that on our next podcast that this woman is really to be ready to receive some hard truth about her life and her religion it's an honest conversation and so when we come back next time we'll be looking at the conversation of the woman at the well in john 4 and then we're going to address the phenomena of cancel culture how do you deal with hostile interrogators When they want to cancel you, and in fact, they may indeed end up canceling you, there's a passage in John that addresses, believe it or not, the cancel culture of the day. And we're going to look at that on our next podcast.
0: In fact, you might be so angry, you might cancel your subscription to our podcast.
1: Please don't. Please <laughs> don't. We'll, we'll give you anger management class.
0: <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. And uh, we've got a lot to think about from today and as we look towards next week. And I'm sure that there are questions or comments about it. And to that end, we would love to hear those questions and comments from you. So please send your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations at gmail.com. And we will use your question or comment on the air where possible, and we will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations, and until next time, keep looking up.